Hey kids, welcome back to the next episode of the Incredible Kids Podcast. My name is Moritz Siri, and I will be your host through this incredible journey. We are going to meet many incredible kids. They are going to share with us their stories. Some of them super cool and different like you've never heard before. And some you may say are just ordinary, but all of them incredible. If you have great ideas, email me today at ikidspodcast at gmail.com. And now it's time for... Incredible Kids! It's time for the joke of the day! Yay! Today's joke is brought to you by Leia Kay from Baltimore, Maryland. Hello, the camel high. I camouflage in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and everybody, welcome back to Incredible Kids with a really, really, really awesome episode. Thank you to Mosaica Press, our favorite sponsor. Go to mosaicapress.com and use our code KIDS18 today. Also, thank you to Yidflix. And today is the day that you got to hear the winners of the Incredible Kids Cholamoid Sukkis Family Road Trip Trivia. We had over Cholamoid itself, close to 1,400 families who played the game in the car or wherever. And that is a crazy amount because each family is filled with a car full of people who are getting together to play something and unite together. And today you are going to get to hear who those winners are. So without further ado, drum roll, please. For the Glick gift card, the Lichtman family team Cholamoy trip. For the Rizal's photography photo shoot, the Tarkiel Taub family team Pitam. For the $18 to Amazon, we have the Lazevnik family. For the $50 gift card to Amazon, we have the Pressburger family team Press. And we have three Mosaica Press joke books coming to one, the Abraham family and the Richmond family team Nagila and the Sonnenblick family team Sunny Sukkah. So I will reach out to you about claiming your prizes. Congratulations and thank you everyone for playing. I got a lot of interesting feedback. A lot of people telling me that they had a blast playing and it was so fun and it was amazing. And then I also had some people saying, um, are you sure about that answer? I don't know. My son is here. He goes to yeshiva. He's very smart. And he said that his rabbi said this, 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 this. So I take all that feedback very seriously. And I will clarify today a couple of things. Number one, the question about which part of the S-rogue may not come off the S-rogue. I said the answer was the pitam. That would make it puzzle if it came off. And a lot of people said, well, the ukets and this and that. And and that is true too. Really, any part of the S-Rogue that breaks is going to make it not a good S-Rogue. If somebody comes over to your S-Rogue and takes a bite out of it, you cannot use that S-Rogue for the mitzvah. And then there's also this concept of the pitam on the first day versus the rest of Yantif. So you guys are all so smart. Kiss your brains. I was just referring to the fact that the pitam is so fragile. So that's why we have to be super careful with it. So thank you for pointing that out to me. The next thing was a big to-do. People were like, since when does S-Rogue mean beautiful and this and that? And I said, okay, everybody, deep breaths, everyone. But it's a serious matter. We don't want to teach anyone the wrong information. You know, Moras and Rebbies and teachers and parents and everybody, we have a big responsibility to teach you guys and teach you guys correct. So I spoke to my Rev and I spoke to another Rev and they found me a source. 
In Parshas Emor, where it talks about an Esrog, the Ramban quotes Unkelos from Bereshis when the Torah talked about the Eitzadas. Unkelos translates Eitzadas as Nechmar Limareh, desirable in the eyes. And when something is desirable in the eyes, it's beautiful. So I'm sorry if it was a little misleading, but, but that is how Ramban wants to translate Esrog to mean similar to how Unkelos translated the Eitzadas in Parshas Bereshis. It is true that an esrog in the Torah is referred to pre eight Hadar, and Hadar, for sure, means beautiful. But the esrog itself has origins to meaning something that is close enough to beautiful. So again, thank you for all the people who reached out, and I'm so happy you guys were listening so well. And now we all learn new things because of that. So uh, so my Miriam comes home from uh, from Mora last week, and uh, what does she tell me? She tells me that Mora told her that you have to have enough space uh, between the schach that you can see uh, three stars at night. <laughs> it's a made up halacha. I don't understand. Hamora doesn't learn shulchan aruch, and, and, and now they want me to pay tuition over there. Uh, from now on, I'm gonna I'm gonna home cater my kids. All right, kids. Here we are at a very, very, very big time in the making of Jewish history. Eretz Israel is at war, and all of the Jewish people are devastated, united, proud, scared. So many different feelings all at once. But the feeling of love and the feeling of achdas from the kids that I'm getting every night. We've been doing a Zoom Tehillim with the people who are on the East Coast, basically mainly, and some people also watching it afterwards, the recorded version. It's so so special to have everyone coming together and that's going to keep going on in Mirza Shem. Hopefully we can have Mashiach come soon so we don't have to keep having these Tehillim gatherings and we can all gather in person very very soon. It's time to choose to Please continue logging on Sunday to Thursday night at 6 o'clock p.m. All of the information, if you are not sure where to find the Zoom link, all of it could be found on our website, incrediblekids.org. There's a new tab on top that says Kids for Israel. Click on that and you'll be able to see all the things that you can do to help. Of course, aside from davening and doing my Tovim and Mitzvos. This episode is something that I'm very, 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 very excited about because it's always so interesting and it's always so important to learn about where our heroes come from. And Rabbi Eli Scheller is a storyteller and he's going to tell you he's really called a youth motivational speaker. And he is very, very, very well known to boys and girls everywhere who listen to his stories, which are interactive with awesome sound effects and interesting and also always teach important lessons for us all. You're going to hear about his childhood. You're going to see the great challenges that he faced. And then you're not going to believe that he was able to become what he is right now. And I don't even know where he's going because it sounds like he has some really good plans for all of us kids. I was so excited to interview him and collaborate with him in this episode so that all of his listeners and all of my listeners can get to hear his incredible story. And we're also going to learn some tips and some tricks into having the skill and to teach us all into becoming a better storyteller. And then we are going to have another interview with Rifki from Muncie. And Rifki is a very talented girl who uses her time and changes what would be boring into something interesting for herself and other kids. She has a hotline with hundreds of callers a month and what she's doing at age 11 is only the tip of the iceberg of what's to come. We ask our listeners, how do you use your talents to help others? Here's what they had to say. Hi, I'm Dovi. I like helping people do sports. Hi, I'm Matis. 
I'm eight years old, and I use my talent to help people be a better artist. Hi, my name is Shana. I'm nine years old, and I like babies, so I help my neighbors with their babies. Bye. Hi, my name is Manuka. I'm 12 years old, and I'm really good at talking, so when people are sad, I make them feel better by talking to them. My name is Michal, and I'm eight years old. I use my talent of entertaining little kids to help my mother and ends with their kids. Hi, my name is Nechama and I'm eight years old. My talent is jump roping and how I help others is when I'm jump roping with my best friends and other people want to join, I let them join in with me. Bye. My name is Ahuva and I'm five years old and, and my talent is, is making people happy when people are nervous. I'm, um, what's it called again? Shy. Shy. I make them feel happy. Hi, my name is Sarala and I'm five years old. I use my singing talents to make everybody happy. Hi, my name is Rosie. I'm four years old and I help people by coloring or painting projects or organizing the family room and surprising my mother. Goodbye. I now introduce our first interview with Rabbi Ellie Scheller from Lakewood, New Jersey. Here is his incredible interview. Hello, welcome to Incredible Kids. I am joined by Rabbi Ellie Scheller. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself to all our listeners. Wow, what a pleasure to be on this podcast. My name is Rabbi Ellie Scheller, and maybe you heard me one time say, one time, one time. One time, one time. I'm just a regular guy, kid from Brooklyn. I went to several yeshivas. We'll talk about that soon. And I became a Rebbe in the classroom and I started saying stories. And the kids really enjoyed the stories. And from there, I started saying it to Torah anytime. And then it went to Naki Radio. And then it went to kids all over. I do that a lot now. I say stories and I share inspiration and messages within the stories. I use them as Mishalim or real life stories to impart lessons. My main thing is really to make Yiddishkeit, Judaism, very real. You see, as a kid, it, it was like ancient for me. Like I wasn't interested in learning at all. I'd much rather be on the basketball court. And I looked forward to recess and Fridays when we'd play baseball. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, it started becoming more real to me as I learned in yeshiva. Mm-hmm. So it became my mission to then give it over to kids. Right now, you would call yourself a professional storyteller? I call myself a youth motivational speaker. Like I mm. like to motivate the youth. Adults can listen as well, but my mission really is to help the youth. That's us, the kids! What's a motivational speaker? It sounds like a very fancy word. The definition of motivate <laughs> is to get someone excited to do something. You have the guy at the beginning, come on, everybody, let's go. You could do it. You could do it. So that's what like literally motivation means, like someone just getting you to get out of bed in the morning or accomplish something. It's more also like giving over real education, like mm-hmm. really teaching. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, totally. It makes a lot of sense. I'm very excited that you're on this program because I have some really, really important <laughs> questions that I have for you. You because I know that you used to be a kid. Wow, that's that's surprising. No, I'm kidding. All adults used to be kids, but you also said that you're a kid now. I did hear you say that you're a kid and you're a guy. Yeah, you're not sure yeah. if you're a kid or a guy. I'm not sure, but it's okay. We're all not sure. Uh? 
Yeah, I still feel like I'm in fifth grade. I look a little different than a fifth grader, but I still feel like I'm in fifth grade because I think the definition of a kid is someone that's just constantly like looking around, learning things. What's that? What like kids ask like a million questions. Like they just want to know everything. Mm -hmm. The biggest punishment you could give a kid is keep them in their crib Mm -hmm. or keep them in their seat. I want to constantly learn more things. Being on this podcast for me is fun. It's something different. It's something new. Amazing. Take us back to when you were a kid. So now we know that you're a famous storyteller, youth motivational speaker. Kids everywhere listen to your stories on, you said, Naki Radio. I have 24-6 and I saw that your stories are in there. And where else do they listen to you? There's a hotline number? Yeah, yeah. There is Stories to Inspire has Mm -hmm. all the stories. Pure Hotline has the stories as well. Okay. So at the end, I'll put it all in the notes on the bottom of the show you could check in the notes to see how you could listen to more yeah and then there's like all the digital platforms which have the cds because i made cds like Mm -hmm. on every yumptive spotify or any of the digital platforms that's where they could see it as well in addition there's also something for like fourth grade, fifth grade boys, sixth grade boys, a program from Torah Anytime called Rebbe Anytime, which is where I teach Gemara to kids. Gemara was such a hardship for me as a kid. And I think many kids, it was like torture for me just trying to learn Gemara. And eventually when I got older, Gemara was like, the brightest thing in my life. It was like an mm-hmm. amazing. So I try so, to give that that same enthusiasm to stories into the Gemara. I try to do that same thing and making yeah. Gemara relatable and exciting. If Gemara is so challenging, does it even pay to care? I love that. So it's like if you need it like after school or on a Sunday, you could do it like when you, right? Yeah, that's it. And, and you don't have to wait till you're 25 to understand mm-hmm. Gemara. You could understand it like today. That's yeah, awesome. It's not to replace the Rebbe, but to be an aide. Mm-hmm. The Rebbe. I guess take us back to whatever age stands out for you in school. I think it was like fifth grade. That's the big grade that either like you become successful in school or like you don't fit in so much. So it was around mm-hmm. that grade that it was very hard for me to focus in class. I was very into basketball and sports and sitting in a seat for me was a lot of torture just to sit down in a seat. I wasn't a bad kid, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to have fun. So just sitting in a seat and listening to a Rebbe talk just for a few hours was very difficult. That sounds normal. Yes, but naturally when you're just bored, you find things to do. So I found a lot of things to do that were, and I'm also like naturally an entertainer. Like my family going back a few generations was like entertainers. We're Levim, so we play music and mm. we entertain. And I had great uncles, which were like batchanim, like comedians famous in mm. Israel. So here I am, an entertainer in class, nothing is going into my head and I'm dead bored. So like I found out that if I spit spitball, and like I could hit things like will make kids laugh and if I put a chalk off the record uh, what is a spitball <laughs> I, I used to read stories about spitballs and I, I saw a lot of troublemakers but what's a spitball I think only boys know about that yeah I uh, just don't try this little, at home kids just a little piece of paper rolling it up into a very fine little ball uh-huh. very small and then you take a straw and then you're able to direct it pretty far how does everyone the, have a straw on them you bring it you have a straw it? for your 20 ounce coke uh, okay. And then you're able, well, if you plan beforehand what you want to do for the day, then you have yeah. it. So that's what a spitball is. Or if I, back in the I day, I'm going to try had- that later. It sounds fun, but not in class. <laughs> the best spitball ever.
Or we had chalkboard, putting chalk in the eraser and the teachers getting ready to erase the board and this chalk inside. Different little things that just kept me sane that I don't have to be bored the whole day. Mm -hmm. But actually, I became termed as the troublemaker, the guy that's always getting kicked out of class. And I just got like kicked out of class, kicked out of school. And by the time I was 18, I went to like 10 yeshivas, 10 different schools that I bounced around. you get like some sort of award for that? Uh, Now I did because I'm gaining so much from that because I had to get used to like a new school like right away right. and now like change is like my number one thing i could get used mm. to change so easily mm, okay so that's, that's my that's award a really today good way to look at it yeah you took that experience and even though you're past that you saw the value in it yeah that because every single hard as a kid it was it was because you're always the outcast you always oh that mm-hmm. guy that kid the new guy mm-hmm. but everything all kids listening every single bad thing that happens you're going to be making money from you just have to look <laughs> at it in a bright way i had once actually uh we came late to class this was like a ninth grade but it was all the same for me like fifth through 12th I just like failed all my tests and it was always getting kicked out it was like the same thing we came late to class like me and like four friends and the Rebbe would lock the door he wouldn't let us in if he came late to class. So I'm like, okay, guys. I was like a little bit like a leader, the entertainer. So I'm like, okay, guys, let's just go to the store. We can't get into class. Like, we're not going to just sit here. Uh, oh. So we walked off to the store and we came back and the Rosh Hashiva is like to all of us. He's like, where were you guys? So I'm like, I was a spokesperson. I'm like, oh, we just took a walk. He's like, Shella, you, you always have something to say. You always have something to say. And he was saying it in a negative way, like, keep your mouth shut. But as I got older, I'm like, one second, a Rosh Shiva told me that I always have something to say. Wow. I should be writing books. And this inspired me to write my first book on the Parsha. I'm the guy that has something to say. I hope I you should- wrote, I have something <laughs> to say. I hope that was a title. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's called wow. a minute vart. That's very powerful. That's crazy. A lot of things sound like that kind of repeated itself, like, you know, trouble and being kicked out and troubled and finding a new school and trouble and being sent out of class. Was there any one moment or one story that stands out at you that kind of was a turning point for you? Yeah. So I was like 17 years old. My father actually is like, just go to Israel. You're not doing anything here. Just go to Israel. Maybe some magic will happen to you in Israel. And I found the yeshiva in Israel that I really want to go to. I told my best friend about it. And then his parents found out that I was going and they called the yeshiva and they're like, we don't want to send our son. And they're like, why not? Your son's a good kid. The parents are like, because Scheller is going. Oh, no. So they called me and they're like, sorry, you can't come to our school. So that was like one of the lowest points of my life. Like, here I am. Like, I, I'm back in America now. I can't even go to Israel. And like, where am I going to go? And I met Rabbi Wallerstein. Rabbi Wallerstein's cousin, the heavy Shiva in Flatbush for guys that are not mainstream. Mm-hmm. And he came over to me. He's like, do you want to join our program? We have like a night program. We serve supper. So I didn't have anything else to do, I said, okay. Their father, this is like Rabbi Zachary Wallerstein's uncle, his name is Rabbi Fall Wallerstein. He was like the guy. He treated me like a king. Like he gave me responsibilities. He gave me like his car to drive to like pick up lunch. No one ever trusted me with their car, besides mm. maybe my uncle in Baltimore. But he just like treated me like gold and he just like always wanted to pay me. And he had such a beautiful family and there was so much achtas. And I'm like, what he did to me, like eventually one day I'm gonna I'm gonna repay back people and that like gave me wow. My fuel, and then he called that Rosh Hashiva in Eretz Yisrael, and he's like, "I take full responsibility for Scheller." 
So they said, okay. I went to that school and I didn't have any intention of doing well. I just had a mind to entertain everybody and party. But then I'm like, one second, he's not a fool. And like, he took responsibility for me. How can I not take responsibility for myself? Like, how can I let him down mm-hmm. like that? Like he and trusted I, you. He trusted he tr- you. He trusted me. So how can I just like, he's a smart guy and he trusted me. He must know something that mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe About I- yourself. Yeah, maybe I could do something. So then I like I decided I'm just going to do one thing every day. And that was like, I'm going to go to Shachar's every morning. I would like hang out to like four o'clock in the morning. And then I would just go to Shachar's. The Shiva saw that I was like trying. Mm-hmm. And like from there, I did one more thing, one more thing, one more thing until I started learning the whole day. So wow. it was like Robert Wallace that trusted in me, gave me the ability to trust in myself. Wow. When we had spoken before, you had told me about how you really liked basketball and you had a story about Michael Jordan. Do you want to share? Yeah, yeah, sure. One time, one time, <laughs> one time, one time. There was a fifth grade boy and he just couldn't understand anything the Rebbe was saying. It sounded like Chinese to him. And he would fail all his tests, but his father wanted to motivate him. We spoke about what motivate means. And he said, you know something? The boy loved Michael Jordan more than anything else. Around his bed, he had pictures of Michael Jordan. He was a big big basketball player, very famous. Yeah, very famous basketball player. He was like known as the best that ever was and ever will be. And these days they call it the GOAT. The GOAT, the greatest of all times. Oh, nice. Never heard mm-hmm. of that. So everybody like spoke about him. Every conversation was about him. And this boy never like seen him before. He didn't have like television. He didn't have that at home, but he had basketball cards. So his father said, you know what? You get a 90 in every test. I'll take you to a game. So this boy was extremely motivated. He didn't know how to get a 90, but he called the best kids every day after mm-hmm. class. And he's like, listen, what did Ruby teach us? Please tell me what, what, what do you think is going to be on the test? And like that, he was able to compensate for his lack of focus. He was able to get mm-hmm. all the work done that way. And he ended up getting 90, 91, 96, 93 for months in a row. He was getting over 90. Right before six months, his father said, listen, there's a very big concert on the same night. I'll take you to the concert instead. I think you'll enjoy it. It's your favorite singers, and I could get you tickets. The boy said, no way. I want to see Michael Jordan. So his father said, okay, you got to get six months. So finally, after six months, he gets a 90 in every test, and his father said, okay, I'm going to take you to the game. And it was Tuesday, March 8th, 1998, and the boy is waiting for his father to come home from work. He puts on his favorite Michael Jordan t-shirt and his father gets home from work. They take the train together to Times Square and he gets out and there it is, Madison Square Gardens, right in front of him. His dream is about to come true. And he goes into the stadium and he can hear the sounds. He sees the basketball court. This is like real. This is live. He never came to a game in his life. And now he's about to see his role model, his dream player. They get tickets. He hands it in and he runs in. And the guy's like, hey, get back here. He's like, what? What's the matter? Sir, where'd you get your tickets from? And the boy's like, we bought it right outside. Like, and the man's like, sir, your tickets are fake. Step to the side. 
And the boy's like, what? What are you talking about? They bought tickets outside with some guy selling them two tickets, $100. And the man said, listen, tickets for this game were sold out six months ago. You got fake tickets. Please get out of here. And the boy starts to cry. And his father says, you know what? I'll take you to a restaurant. We'll watch the game over there. And the boy says, no, I just want to go home. And he goes into bed. And he cries himself to sleep. And I know this story is true because that was me. I was that boy and my dreams were crushed in front of my eyes. Went back to sleep, back to the 30s and 40s until literally like the end of school, until like 12th grade. And the first thing people always ask me when I say this story is like, did your father ever like make it up for you? Did your father ever do anything? That's such a sad ending to the story. The saddest. (laughs) (laughs) So I did call my father. I'm like, listen, all the boys in my class are asking me. Like, my father's like, nah, like, let's move on from that. Like, I'm actually very close with my father now, way more than I ever was, like, back in fifth grade. My relationship with my father was hard when I was young. But now my father actually calls me, like, every day asking me, how's it going? But I've learned a lot from this story and a lot about myself from this story. So I see it as a success. Like, I don't look back anymore and, like, oh, I'm just living, like, it's negative. Like, I, I see it as a positive. How? Tell us. I believe like the number one thing is that like I saw myself as a 30 student, as a 40 student. I never thought I was capable of being like those good kids in the class. But like I had a dream. I had something that like would get me to jump out of bed. Mm -hmm. And that just pulled me through. And I realized like I do this now like every day. Like and I always think about it that like you could do anything. Everyone has the capability of dreaming. You could just like sit in your seat. And actually, I was a big dreamer because I didn't have much to do in class. So I spent my time dreaming a lot. And now I'm just like walking through my dreams. For only dreamers still believe that dreams come true. So like if you spend your time dreaming of something that's like would excite you, everyone could think of something, you would now recognize things that you never knew you could do because you have this vision. It's like a magnet that will pull you forward. So like for me, writing a book was like just a dream, but I pictured it just like I pictured going to a Michael Jordan game, like very vivid image in my head and like, boom, that's what I want. That's what I want. And now like I could stay up late or I could wake up 3.30 in the morning to write this book because like I see it, I could smell it, I could feel it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it it makes a lot of sense. It also sounds like it takes a lot of hard work and and a good habit. Like if you're somebody that like always slept till 11 o'clock in the morning, like, and then you say, okay, I'm going to tomorrow, I'm going to wake up at 5am to Davin Nates. It doesn't just, it it takes time. And and like you said, like little steps. I'm remembering what you said about when you were in Israel, you went to yeshiva and you started doing like one thing at a time. It probably wouldn't even be healthy if like all of a sudden one day you said, okay, I'm the best bachar in yeshiva now and I'm learning all day and yeah. all night. That sounds like a yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Jump. <laughs> no, correct. It's got to be one step at a time, but also mm-hmm. to, start, to start with a goal a dream. first. Start with a dream. That be meaning before you say I'm waking up 5 a.m., mm. first create that dream. Where that, do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you want to get to? Mm. And it, like, just like a road trip, if you're going to Florida like tomorrow, you have a destination. I'm getting up four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right? Every kid relates to that because right. 
I know exactly where I'm going. I have a dream. I'm going to be somewhere. Dreaming is very, very, very valuable. Yeah. It's interesting though. Sometimes our dreams look a certain way and we end up in a dream that might not look exactly the same, but it's, it's bigger and it's great no matter what. I don't know if your dream when you were little was to be a motivational speaker for children, but now you're rocking it, you know? You have to dream. And then when you get to that dream, then you'll realize either this is going or you know what? I don't think this is it. I'm going to now. My first dream was to be in the NBA, to be a basketball player alongside Michael Jordan. I would practice a lot. And when I saw that I'm not growing past like five foot eight and I'm not going to be able to gym and, and, you know, it's not working out. I hope you sometimes play a pickup game of basketball or go to high uh, zone or something. Or- no, 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 I play I play all the time and I actually I use it to motivate the kids. Like in my community, whoever wins Excellent. me gets, gets $20 and I'm very competitive when I play. So if you guys want to play, anybody want to play a pickup game? Lakewood, Lakewood, New Jersey pickup games. Lakewood, New Jersey, yeah. But my minute is actually whenever I visit a school, Mm-hmm. I, I play basketball with the kids. That's my minic. My second minute. dream was actually awesome. to be a, a singer. Like mm-hmm. I was very inspired by Avram Fried and Jakob Schwecki. And that was like my next dream. And I kept following it, following it until like I hit a certain point. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to be my, my thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I took professional lessons and I, I got pretty far. Then I'm like, okay, let me take a little turn. But it I sounds still- like you use your singing and your storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Story is like a song. Like it's very mm-hmm. similar. So I mm-hmm. do use it. And if you never go for your dreams in your whole life, you'll be like, I always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Go for it. And then you will never have to say that again, because either you have it or like time to move on. Right. Stay right there. We'll be right back after this short break. Calling all parents. Get ready for an exciting adventure in understanding your incredible kids. What's this all about? Introducing Inside Outside Parenting by Mosaica Press. Today, we're shining a spotlight on our very special book by the brilliant Dr. Shalom Augenbrown. Sounds interesting. Tell me more. This book is your key to unraveling the mysteries of your child's needs, nature, and personality. It's like having a decoder to their world. That's fascinating. How can I get my hands on it? Fear not. We've got you covered. At Mosaic Press, we believe in making parenting an adventure for the whole family. So get a copy of this book and start studying it today. That's a great idea, but where can I find it? That's easy. Head over to mosaicopress.com and get ready for a delightful surprise. When you use the coupon code KIDS18 at checkout, you will get 18% off your entire purchase. That's an excellent deal. Absolutely, because we know that raising happy, healthy children is the ultimate goal. Inside Outside Parenting will get you ready with the tools you need to have harmony in your home. I'm excited to dive into this book and better understand my kids. That's the spirit. Mosaic Press is here to empower you as a parent so you can unlock the secrets to your child's happiness and growth. Go get a copy of the book that everyone's talking about, including Rabbi Moshe Weinberger who said, I can't stop thinking how much I would have benefited from this book during those sweet, challenging years of raising my own family. Inside Outside Parenting, mosaicapress.com. Linked in this episode's show notes. And now back to Rabbi Scheller. We're getting into the stories a little bit. And I know you always start with this one-time, one-time business, but then like what other tricks happen when you're telling a story? Like how do you get everyone captivated, you know, like listening and want to hear more and more and more? Like what are some of your, uh, your stunts? Uh, I try to always do a surprise, something that's, you know, something 
out of the ordinary, but also like I think I connect to kids very well. Like I get them because I suffered a lot in school and like I understand the struggle. So like I speak like to the kids essence to like their soul. Like that's, I think uh, an important thing. Like Mm -hmm. I I like children and I want to connect to them and like, I want them to hear what I have to say. I want them to understand me. And like, I'll, I'll just say whatever it is, but you're going to understand what I'm saying. You know, I have this thing that like pick up two fingers if you understand what I'm talking about. So this way, like, you know, I, I have that, that, back and forth with kids to interaction. see that interaction just to see like, you know, they're just staring at me. Are they like getting right. what I'm saying? And like, I could just check to see that. That's also, the good thing about the doing the, the live storytelling. Like when you're actually yeah. doing a, like a show and you could, exactly. you could do that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I always do that. Like, okay, two fingers. If you understood that story, if you understood the message. So that's something I always do. Number two, and this is like, I wanted to say it in, in knowing how to say story. Is that that same question? Like knowing how to say story? Like yeah. tips well, and tricks? Well, yeah, I guess if you could teach yeah. us, like I'll ask you a little more before you tell us. Like I'm a mommy. I put my kids to sleep at night and sometimes my brain is just like blah. I don't say blah, blah, blah. I know that's hard for people to believe because people think I probably have like a brain that's like always generating ideas. But whenever, for some reason, when they say, mommy, tell me a story, I'm like flat. So I I figured if I'm bringing on a storyteller, any moms who are listening or fathers who are listening or teachers whose students or children are asking for stories, maybe they could listen now also and get some ideas. I'm wondering if it's something that we can learn. Like, is it a skill? Can you learn how to say a good story? Are there any tricks to like knowing how to tell a story, kind of make up a story, or maybe once you know a little story to make the story even better? Yeah, so th- definitely it's learnable because I learned that everything in life is learnable. There's a skill you can learn any skill, so that's that's for sure. You can learn how to say stories. But let me just ask you: How old yeah. are those kids that you're trying to say stories to? Oh, you know, I'm I'm thinking of kids who are maybe five to ten. Okay. Okay. That's a no, random age range, but you know, just kids. Okay. Because honestly, also like there are many times also me that like someone's like, okay, same story. And I'm like, uh, like, I don't know any stories. I don't know like what to say. Like I have the same thing as well. Like it's just like. Brain freeze. You know, yeah. So I'll, I'll just tell you, like I have kids that are like my own kids. I don't do this on tour time or not radio or anywhere. Just like my own kids. Let's say they're ages two to six. And every night, like, I, I tell them a story. It's called, like, a Bachelet story. It's like mm-hmm. a Jewish version of Curious George. And, like, I don't have any specific script. I just go wherever my brain takes me. I put on a certain, like, kid's voice. One time, one time. So, Bachelet was trying to get candy from a candy machine. And all of a sudden, like, she got stuck inside the machine. She couldn't get out of the machine and she didn't know what she was going to do. So they called the tow truck man and took the machine and Bachelet's on the highway and she's being on the glass. And they bring her to a mechanic to try to get her out. And I just go wherever, like, my brain takes me. So that, I guess you have to be a little creative. Can but I try? I- Can I try to say a Bachelet story? <laughs> Let's see, because my, my, my brain is blank. Okay, I'm not going to say it in a weird voice, because... Personally, okay. when I say stories to my kids, this is just my kids. They're like, Ma, stop with the voices. Like they just want they want the details. Like they're very into like 
That's also part of the problem because then they're like, but what happened? And you're like, um, in the made up story, this is what happened. Um, okay. Once upon a time, Bachelaya went to the grocery store and she saw bananas and she really, I guess I'm saying bananas because you said Carrie's George. That's where, you know, okay. bananas came from. And she saw bananas and she's like, mommy, mommy, I want bananas. And she couldn't find her mommy because her mommy was in the next aisle talking to Mrs. Grossman. So Bachelaya is like, mommy, mommy, I really want bananas. So her mother wasn't there. So she tried to like, pull herself up onto the banana shelf. So she like climbed on and then the grocery man was there and he's like, excuse me, miss, where's your mom? And she's like, she's over there. And her mother's like, I'm so sorry. That was so bad. I'm going to take her away. Okay. How am I doing? That was great. And then you just do something that's like a problem. Meaning there's a conflict in in every story. There's a a character. So that's going to be Bachelet, who's like an interesting person. She's the main part. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's a conflict. There's something that's like a problem. Like she pulled down the whole shelf and now the whole aisle is full of yogurt. And now like, oh my goodness. Like what's, so what's going to happen now, mommy? Like this And everyone starts slipping on banana peels. Like the whole story. Everybody. Yeah. This old man over there, like he... You know, slid down the aisle. And now he's stuck under the fridge. And right. They couldn't now get him out. has to come. Right. <laughs> Depends on how scary they wanted to get. Yeah. So you just create a conflict, like this trouble mm. over here, and then and then there's the third C. The third C is like creation, like something like big happens. Like Bachelaya ends up like she being the manager, she, right? Something. Yeah, she actually mm-hmm. had a friend that, that she knew that was from Israel and she was in town and she was great at like cleaning things very quickly. She, had, she actually had six It's like at the end of Dr. Seuss when thing one and thing two come out of the box and they come yeah. and clean up with the machine. That's, and then she's able to just like clean it up real fast and the police department gives Bachelet like a big award for mm. like, you know, so it comes out. Right. That the, There's your curious George ending, yeah. <laughs> So that's that's for like the the little kids that I I do it every night and they're like wherever I am if I'm traveling like they call me up and like I have to do it like they they, they call me and like sometimes that's like amazing. I'm not in the mood but like I'll just all of a sudden as you're talking I think this is like for writer's block also like if you don't know what to do what to say like just start talking and as teachers any teacher listening like you could come into a class you don't know what to say but start talking and once wow. you start talking like you'll start thinking of seven things. Mm. And then you'll just be able to go for 45 minutes after you know how you can right. last for a minute. Once you're in the zone, once you're in the zone, you're like comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got to start. And if you have a lesson, my daughter wants me to come to her class, like six-year-olds, what story am I going to say? So I decided to do a Bachelet story. I want to do about, about lying. So I created a similar type of story instead of doing it on the spot. I created it beforehand where Bachelet broke uh, a new vase that her whole family bought for her mother and it was in like 23 pieces and she was going to lie about it that she broke it. But she said the truth and she went back to the store and the guy ended up making her like 26 little vases and it ended up being like amazing thing. Mm. So if you have like a message that you want to teach, I, I, I want to teach, you know, backwards. My, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, my daughter is always fighting with the siblings. Okay. So when I put her to sleep, I want to tell her a story about Bachelet uh, ended mm. up, ended up making peace with her siblings. And because mm. of that, when the Goyim came through the town, they didn't want to touch Bachelet because somehow they knew she's the girl that makes peace. So we're not going to touch her and you're giving over this message now through that story. Wow. So like the Bachelet becomes part of like the chinuch of the home. She's like, <laughs> she the is, yeah. Sam, she's like the heroine. I don't know what she is. So it's like yeah. instead of the mother saying, you know, you really need to, you know, let's have a DMC before you go to sleep about telling the MS, Bachelet, here she comes. She's going to have a Bachelet story with a whopper. Yeah. And totally. And it gives in, it's like taking medicine, bitter medicine and putting it into uh, something sweet. 
So and taking, hilarious. Yeah. So you're taking this Possibly. message, you're putting it within a story, and your daughter gets the message. Mm-hmm. She understands what you're saying, but you're giving it in a pleasant way. So I'm happy to hear that the shoemaker's kids have shoes. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who doesn't understand what that means, there's an expression. You say, like, the shoemaker's kids don't have shoes. Like... That would be so silly. Of course, the shoemaker's kids should have shoes. So if Rabbi Scheller is a storyteller, then I could imagine that like maybe his kids would say like, he never tells us stories, you know, I know my kids, they'll be like, you never interview us. So <laughs> we're working on it, by the way, the Price Girls are working on their respective interviews. The Tati is also a storyteller for the house. Well, the truth is I tell them all the stories first, you know, just to see like how they'll respond. If it's something that like they'll like, then obviously other kids will like it. You know, I do different things, but my prime thing is like I'm a mechanic and I'm a father and that's like the number one thing like teaching my kids I want to teach all the kids in the world but first I have to start with my kids right and then like if it's successful then I could branch and you out share what you what works yeah exactly mm. Another thing I'll add about saying good stories and tips and tricks and how to say a good story is, number one, also like something has to move you. If it inspires you, then it will inspire other people. If it was funny for you, it'll be funny for other people. So it has to touch you and then it'll translate into other people. And then like get straight to the point. Don't just keep going on and on and on. And also like, what are they going to get from it? Like as opposed to like, okay, this story I find amazing, but what are other people going to get from it? Like, have mm-hmm. that in mind. Like, you will walk out with A, B, and C. You will walk out with something. It's a big teaching tip that I learned. I'm not going to teach, like, my favorite things because you could have favorite stories that no one could care less about. Like, like when people tell you their dreams. Like, nobody cares. Exactly. Or, like, <laughs> you know, when I was dating and I dated, like, we don't care about your dating stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is there something that I could get from that dating right. story? Then then tell it to me. Okay, and then last thing also, like, relating to kids is, like, something called Mirroring, like mm. being similar to them. So like, let's say, for example, like my three-year-old was lying down in the kitchen, kicking up his feet and screaming that, you know, he wants something. And I said, I got this. So I went onto the kitchen, lied on the floor next to my kid, picked up my feet and started kicking the same way. And I'm like, you know, like, what's, what are you upset about? And like, he just like looks at me and I'm like, uh, like I wanted a pickle. I'm like, oh, that's terrible. And like, boom, in a second, like he was, you know, I got him out of that like cycle. There was a kid during recess that fell to the floor and like the social worker of the school is like trying to like talk to the kid, like, you know, standing in front of like, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm like, watch this. I got down to the floor right next to the kid and like, how are you doing? Then like he answered me. Also, when you're telling a story, it makes it more interesting if you get on the floor and start kicking. Like you said, you always throw a punch in there, a little surprise. Yeah, yeah. Makes the story a lot more interesting to watch. If there's any kids out there who had a similar experience to you had in school and they're going through it right now, you know, they haven't yet figured out their dream like you, you know, Baruch Hashem, like are actualizing. What practical advice or just inspiring advice can you give to someone that you could relate to? Someone maybe fifth grade, but maybe younger than fifth grade, maybe older than fifth grade. Okay. Okay. Good question. So what I would say is that there are two types of people. There are book smart people that can follow a logic. Someone puts something before them and they could follow it. It could be a book, follow A, B, and C. They could follow it very well. Yeah. And then there's other types of people that are business savvy people. And these people, they can use their own skills 
to figure out things. Mm-hmm. You could give them a list of skills and they'll be able to read it and figure it out. But then there's business savvy. Street smart, right? Street smart. Exactly. Another way of saying it also, just, yeah. Yeah, street smart. They have a lot of skills inside of them and they could figure many things out. And they also know a lot of like random information. Yeah, yeah. That's not so random, but like different things that interest them that maybe even the smarty pants kids don't know. Exactly, exactly. So there's two types of kids and school generally is geared to the book smart kids. That's what it's geared towards. You come to class with a whole pile of books and let's look into the books. The street smart kids don't want to look inside of a book. It's hard for them to focus inside of a book. So you have to recognize that you are that street smart kid. And just by the way, museums are for the book smart people to study what the street smart people accomplish in their lives. That's that's what museums are. So you have to recognize that you have tremendous amount of talents. It may not be coming out in the classroom because that's not the focus in the classroom, but you will gain skills in the classroom as well. well. I just want to explain what you just said in case anyone didn't understand that because that was a very profound thing. I have to still process it. What Rabbi Scheller just said is that the kind of people who go to museums, which are generally pretty boring and uh, you're reading things, you're looking at things, and the people who go are kind of like those school type people. Book smart. Oh, this is interesting. Whatever. But the things that they're celebrating in the museum are like the art and the artifacts and the discoveries of the people who were not book smart probably and the people who are more of like the adventurous like business smart street smart people who use their talents in unique ways to discover different things that the book smart people now are going to read about. I just went with my family this summer to Yellowstone National Park. When we were there, I learned something about the park and um, I keep thinking about it. Basically, there's this place that you hike to. I thought was one of the most beautiful things I saw on the trip. And it's called the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. And Uh it's gorgeous. You have to like hike to the part that I'm talking about. And then you get to this beautiful spot and you see like canyons and waterfalls and trees. It's gorgeous. Anyways, so we learned in the boring museum, like you're saying, we went to this like boring visitor center and like we were kind of like making a joke out of it. And then we see this like giant painting, the most gorgeous painting of what we just saw of that whole Grand Canyon. Um, Anyways, my husband was reading the inscription and we were kind of like being silly and we were putting on like tour guide voices and we're like, oh, look look here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is the coolest thing. Stop for a second. You know what it says? It says that nobody knew about Yellowstone National Park in the world because it was like out in the middle of Wyoming and whatever. But you know who knew about it? The artists. The artists came to Yellowstone National Park by themselves. It wasn't a national park yet. And artists came with paint. They didn't even have good cameras then. So you couldn't even take a picture. So the only thing they were able to do is paint what they saw. How else are you supposed to tell people about how beautiful it is? And they painted this beautiful canyon with beautiful colors. And only a very talented artist can do that. And then the artist went and brought this painting. His name was like Thomas Moran or something. I remember because I thought it was so cool. And he brought the painting to like the government of United States of America and said, you need to make this a national park because you can't let people ruin this because people were like ruining it. You know, they were like killing the animals there and not preserving it and they were going to build things around it. When the world saw the art, that's when they realized that they need to make this into wow. the first, that was the first national park in America. And I was like, go artists. Like, wow. I, that's literally what I said in the museum. I'm like, does everybody know? <laughs> I was getting so excited. My point is that sometimes. Are you an, are you an artist, Manichans? I, I dabble. I dabble. Okay. I, I try sometimes. I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades, but a master of none. So I was like, sometimes the street smart people 
could become a book smart person for a little bit. <laughs> you could go to the museum and like get into it and get inspired also. No one should think that like all because they don't necessarily have an easy time focusing that it's impossible for them to focus. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a you can point. learn. You can learn. Like you said, it's a teachable thing. It's hard. It takes a lot of effort and you might need to get help for it or whatever if you need to learn how to focus. But you could. it is something that you can do if you, yeah, like yeah. you said, are motivated to put your mind to it. That's a good point because the truth is now like I read at least like one book a week or something. Like I, I read a lot that's now. Not, that's, that's unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So right. that's, that's a valid point. I'm sure that someone like you has not stopped dreaming. Tell me what the dream is expanding to. Now you, you've made this awareness for kids. And of course, there's more kids to reach and more lessons to be taught. But tell us a little bit about more of what you hope to accomplish. My big dreams. What's, what's circulating in my brain? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I want to accomplish, it's a big dream. It's something very, very big. Like... As like I look through my years, like I look back, like since I'm like 19, it's almost like 20 years since I'm like at that turning point in my life where I'm just like learning and trying to grow and and just be better and be better. And like I look back at my life and like Hashem has just helped me in like every way possible. I mean, Hashem is helping each and every one of us. But like just looking back at my life, everything just looks like like a roller coaster that just like the path is set out for you. And all you got to do is just like pick up your hands and it just like goes for you. Like everything is like just going amazing. And I want to like give back. I want to give back and like big ways. And like, if you look at the Jewish world now, it seems, I think, obvious, like why Mashiach is not here yet, because we just can't get along with each other. Like even in this situation in Israel, as we're recording this, there's a lot of things going on in Israel right now. And I think like now all the Jewish people like in Israel, like, are like we got to be connected now. Like my Rebbe, Rebbe Yitzhak Berkowitz in Israel, he starts off like his Zoom share to all like the people that are like, what do we do? What do we do? He's like, wartime in Israel is such a special time. He's like, all the people are family. Like everybody's one. Everyone's like praying for the soldiers and we care about everybody. That's the way the Jewish people are supposed to be like. It's sad that Hashem has to send us tragedies for a a wake-up call. So, like, my big vision is to, like, get all the youth, like, get all the Jewish kids, start with the kids, and get them to feel like one big family. That, Mm -hmm. like, we're not, you know, I'm in this school, you're in that school, we compete against each other. No, like, we're one big family. We're united. We're one. And what does it mean, united? Like, we recognize, like, people are different than us. There's people in Muncie, Lakewood, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Miami, like we're all one, we're all together, we're one team, we're one family. Like when I came into my classroom as a Rebbe, the first thing I told the kids, I'm like, guys, like the most important thing is that like we're united, we're one team. If we are one team, we could have such a phenomenal year. Like recess will be amazing if we're just one unit, we're not constantly fighting with each other. And that's like like a big dream of mine to like make massive events in like stadiums, bring mm. all the Jewish kids together, motivate them in a, in a big way to be like, you know, what you're trying to do is like just believe in their own greatness mm-hmm. and believe that they could accomplish and be the Am Hanifchar, the chosen people, the great nation that we really are. We are the greatest nation in the world and we're supposed to teach the world how to act. So A, to feel that, to get that sense, like Jewish pride yeah. and to unite everyone as one. And I believe that if the kids feel that unity with each other and we're one big family, that will spill over to the adults, that the adults will now, you know, 
I go to this shul, you go to that shul. There's no such thing. We're all one family that will spill over to the rest of the world. Right. Where, where the rest of the world will have peace because we want peace with everybody. And then finally that will happen in Israel. Wow. And then Mashiach will be here. I mean, Mashiach, Mashiach, Mashiach. Kids are our future. That's not a groundbreaking comment. That's because everybody starts out like a kid. Wow, that was really smart. Kids are our future. They're the future of this world. You know who knows that also? This is a little interesting, but the Arabs know that also. And the Arabs teach their kids to be hateful people from when they're very little. And it's not a mistake. Throughout the years, other types of Gaim have done it too. They like brainwash their young wow. children to hate. And that means that the opposite is possible. Wow. And they do that when it's not a time of war. They do that all the time. So let's learn from them. And let's do the opposite. Let's take the same power and the same passion. And let's get all of you guys listening to love just for the sake of loving. We call it avas chinam. Loving for nothing. Not because it's a war, not because they're your family, but because they're another Jew and just loving them for who they are. And I just spoke about this with a kid yesterday. The child told me she was having trouble with a friend at school and she was getting on her nerves. Ever heard a kid say that before? Someone's getting on your nerves. We say it as adults all the time. Even if we don't say it, there's always someone who's getting on your nerves. And I said, you know, it's true. Sometimes people get on your nerves. Maybe they don't smell good. Maybe they do something that just irks you in a certain way. And then we talked about that feeling because it's a true feeling, right? We talked about what it would feel like if somebody would maybe not be nice to us. Maybe we get on their nerves. And how would you feel if someone said that to you? And and then I said, you know, at this time and, and always, if we can control ourselves from acting mean to them or staring at them or ignoring them or whatever that mean action might be or lack of action or just not being nice, whatever, right now at this time, that's you being in the army of Hashem right wow. there. That's your weapon, whatever. Wow. You're doing the same as a soldier who's fighting. That's you fighting in the army of Hashem. You're showing Hashem, I'm willing to do something, even though it's really, the person is really getting on my nerves right now. I'm not going to do anything and I'm going to just breathe through it. And I'll talk about it with my mommy when I get home. I'll talk about it with my Mora when it's private because you could still talk about it, but we're going to be sensitive. We're going to be loving. So that's also a message. I'm on, I'm on the same page as you, Rabbi Scheller. I think that all of us, adult kids and kid kids and kids at heart, all of us need to unite. And hopefully we will not forget those messages when Merz Hashem, this war ends because it will end. And Hashem is always helping us, but we have to remember the achdas and the love. So let me know when those stadiums start filling up because I'd love nice. to attend. <laughs> One more practical thing on this unity thing. I believe every city, there's something that the kids naturally have that's taught. You know, let's say, for example, kids from Baltimore, I believe have great midas, like their character traits. It, it comes maybe more natural or that taught it more. Kids from Lakewood like are very into learning. So every community has something. And instead of looking like, oh, they're like, they're different than us. Like, no, no, like we need them. We do need them. And we need the kids from Baltimore. We need everybody. We need them. And even that kid that smells like he probably has something to offer that you don't have. Wait a second. And, is that our reputation? Are we, we have good meadows at Baltimore? Well, that just from living in many different cities. Like, wow. That, Go Baltimore. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I've just like. 
I don't so, take that shout out for granted. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very hush of it's special about the people yeah. in Baltimore. Like I think all the shuls in Baltimore, it's like a thing. Like they're all like united when there's like a new shul, all the rabbanim come out to like welcome that new rub. Like where in the world do you have that? And said maybe maybe in like very small cities. So like True. that's what unity means. Like you don't have to be best friends with the guy, but just recognize like you're special and that guy is special as well. We need him. Like a puzzle means like I'm, I look different mm. than you but recognize that we need that corner piece to complete the puzzle right. so we need that guy that smells that girl that smells because she probably is working very hard five days straight that's why she smells but we need her hard work <laughs> we need everyone that's what unity really means everyone right. has their parts wow I appreciate so much that you joined us today on this podcast and I think another message that I've been saying to kids since the last few days have been quite Quite difficult to know how to talk about it with ourselves, with kids, with adults, with anybody, just to think about what's happening in our Israel. I'm confident that Hashem wants us to be besimcha and to be happy. So if you're listening to this now and you're enjoying this, you know, parts of this conversation and you're laughing and you're smiling and you're thinking of your own dreams, you should know that that is very special and valuable and your simcha is something that is going to spread to other people and with the tehillim and with the mitzvahs that we do it's important to remember to work on our simcha as well absolutely Rabbi Schaller thank you very very much again like I said before I'm going to send any links or just ways to listen to your one time one time stories and other things um, in the show notes and I hope kids everywhere are going to enjoy it wow thank you okay what an amazing podcast thank you so much for having Thank me. You. Hey, incredible kids and families. Are you ready for a video streaming experience that's kosher, ad-free, and filled with fun? Introducing Yidflix for every member of the family. From Uncle Maishi's catchy tunes to the Shazak Parsha series, Yidflix has something for everyone. You could choose to pay per month or do it for the entire year. And here's the clincher. There will be no ads that pop up with something inappropriate that you don't want your kids seeing. And they update their content every single day so you'll never run out of things to watch. Go to Yidflix Y-I-D-F-L-I-C-K-S.com. Follow the link in the show notes and sign up today. Hey, 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 you know how much I love getting fan feedback. I got a fan feedback video with an incredible song and I'm going to play the song that they sent me because they made up a jingle for incredible kids that I love so much. So here I am going to share it with all of you and then get ready for our next interview. Hi, Moritzieri. It's Dovi and Levy, and um, we created a song about incredible kids, and we want you to put it on your podcast. Three, two, one, go. Incredible kids, you and me. Incredible kids, a place to be. With your host, Mortary. Incredible kids, with a K. We are now ready for our interview with Rifki. A couple months back, Rifki reached out to me and said, Hey, Moritziri, I want to tell you about something incredible that I do for other kids. And I loved it so much. And I knew we would one day have a conversation about it. And here is Rifki's story today. Hi, Rifki. Welcome to Incredible Kids. Hi, thank you for having me. I heard such great things about you from you yourself. We never met in person before. So I guess tell all our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and, and then we'll get into like why we're here. Okay, so my name is Rifki. Um, I live in Menzi. I'm 11 years old, and I'm in sixth grade. And yeah. 
Amazing. So Rifki, I want you to share with our listeners um, about some of your creative talents and some very awesome things that you've done. You're 11 years old. From what I heard about you, you sound to me like a very motivated kind of kid. Would you consider yourself to be very motivated? Yeah, pretty much. What does it mean to be motivated? What do you think? Like, like doing what? Like helping them. Like doing. Yeah. Doing, but like wanting to do something also. Right. To be motivated is to really like want to do something. So when you have a mission that you want to do and you put your whole heart and and soul and mind into it, then you're going to do it all the way. Right? Yeah. Okay. So you told me that you have a hotline. Can you tell me what that means and give me a little background to what this is all about? Take it away. Tell me. Okay, so I have a hotline, and it's for girls of all ages and everything. And, like, if girls get bored or they have free time and they don't know what to do, they could call in. And I have contests and stories and comedies and games and all different things, and they could call in, and it keeps them busy for a while. Okay, that's very, very well explained. Okay, so it happens to be that you messaged me that you have a hotline. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you're listening maybe on a phone, maybe on a computer, maybe on a tablet, whatever, in the car somehow. But a hotline is a phone number that you call, right? And you can dial it from your house phone even. And you listen and you can press buttons to interact, right? So do you want to share the number? Yeah. yeah. You shared the number with me. I called it. I called it that day and I couldn't believe it. It was so full of entertainment. Like you went on forever. So tell, first of all, I want you to tell everyone the phone number. It's 641-715-3800 and the access code is 712-980-POUND. Then you press pound, right? Is it only for girls? Yeah. Okay. So you prefer that only girls listen to it? Yeah. Okay. What made you want to do this? Like tell me the tell me the inspiration. So by COVID, I got really bored and I just didn't know what to do. And I would call a hotline, a different hotline. I really wanted to do my own one. And I listened to it every day and I kept on leaving messages to this hotline um, and asking them, like, how do you do it and how do I do it? And they never got back to me and like they never answered me. So then... Um, like a few, like a few months later, they were making a contest that you make a, like a Hanukkah hotline and whoever has the best one wins the contest. So they told you how to make the hotline. And so I did, like, I looked up the company and I made my own hotline and first I entered and I did not win. And it was called the Hanukkah hotline. Mm -hmm. And then that was how my hotline started. Wow. On the hotline that you were listening to, they taught you how to make a hotline. Yeah. And then, okay, so you didn't win. So then you just decided to keep it up anyways? Yeah. Okay. And then how did you get people to call it? So uh, my brother helped me make like business cards online. And I gave it out to people and friends. And then they gave it out to their cousins and neighbors. And just like it spread. And at first I didn't have so much listeners. And then after a while I got a lot more. Oh, oh wow, wow. Wait, so let's just remember now you're 11. How old were you at this time when you started? I was in, I think, fourth grade. I was nine. You were a nine-year-old girl starting this whole empire. And what do you call your hotline now? You said it used to be Hanukkah hotline. What do you call it now? Superstars. Superstars. What does it sound like when you call? Like the main menu? Yeah. Tell me the main menu. Yeah. I loved it from the minute I entered my access code. Like I entered it, I pressed whatever, whatever, whatever pound, and like I was in love the next second. Tell me what it sounds like. First, there's like music, and then it's like, hello, and welcome to Superstar Hotline. 
Um, then it says like option then, one is this. Option let's two. Let's do you know this. all your options because you had like a hundred options. Yeah, I know that by heart. Well, tell me the options. Let's hear. Option one is information about our hotline. Option two is the question of the week. Oh, actually, it changed to pop quiz. Okay. <laughs> uh, option three is story time. Option four is a message from me. Option five is game. Option six is interviews. Continues on option six, zero, six, one, six, two, six, three, six, four, and six, five, and six, six. Option seven is comedies. Option eight is where you can leave a message for Rifki. Option nine is answers and feedback to your very own messages. Option 10 is contest. Option 11 is music. Option 12 is a surprise. Option 13 is tips. Option 14 is coming soon. Option 15, a message for Leah, because I have someone that does it with me, like it helps me. Uh-huh. And She's your, then, like, co-host. Yeah, and then option 16 is share your story. Option 17 is superstar cheers and chance. Option 100 is another surprise. And option 18 is, I switched that one. Oh, it's uh, my address. Like, people write me letters. Wow, you got fan mail? Yeah. Oh, my Kate. First of all, I have so much to say. One of your options, like, option 14 was, like, to be announced or... Option 14, I think, was um, coming soon or something. Coming soon. What does that mean? Yeah. That you don't have anything for 14? Yeah, so we took some options away because, like, let's say people requested something else and then we're, me- like, we're like mm. trying to make it a new thing. So you're for the people, like, whatever they want. You're, like, accommodating. And yeah. in the fan, when people write you letters, like, they're giving you suggestions about what to do or they're just saying, like, we love your so, superstars. So we also, they could also leave a message. So either mm-hmm. they... Either one of them. They sit both. First of all, so now people listening now will understand why I fell in love with your main menu. Because, <laughs> like, it was the cutest thing in the world. Like, you just went on and on with the options. Like, I was like, oh, I want to do comedy. Oh, but I also want to do an interview. Oh, but I also want to hear your um, comment from you. I want to hear. I also want to leave a message, but I also want to play a game. I didn't know what to choose first. And then I pressed on interview. And I got to hear an interview that you did with a girl in Muncie who came from Ukraine. And I was so impressed. You had such good interview skills. Step aside, incredible kids. They don't need me. (laughs) That was like, that was like really amazing. Like I was so intrigued. I just kept listening. You're so engaging. What was like an interview that you did that was your favorite so far? Um, Either that one about the Ukrainian girl. She happens to be my neighbor. Um, Mm. Or I went to interview twins, and it was really fun and funny. They have, I think, kid in my class. I don't know, told me. Mm-hmm. Oh, someone connected you with this set of yeah. twins? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. How do you balance, like, managing this whole hotline with your schoolwork and, like, your other, you know, responsibilities? So when I go to school, like, my school is, like, for, like, I think seven hours. But in school, we also have a lot of fun activities, so it also, like, makes it pretty fun. We have a lot of extracurricular that's good. Um, and then when I come home, I have tons of extra time. And then also I have tons of vacation. And so I just really like... You maximize just, the time you have at home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Do you ever feel like you spend so much time on like the other, like on like updating your hotline and stuff that it makes, it takes away from other stuff or you you figured out a good balance? No, it doesn't. It doesn't take away from anything because I only do it when I'm bored and like, also, I have someone to help me with it. Like now I got like someone helped me like a month ago. Mm-hmm. I got someone to help me with it. So now like I'm not like as busy with everything. Mm. Do you have a way of knowing how many people call in? So this company that I do it on, mm-hmm. um, they email me um, like I think every like month of how much callers you get a month. 
how much colors do you got a year, how much to the week, to the day. And like they like tell me all my colors and they list me like everything. Do you get a lot of calls? Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. How does that make you feel? Good. Can you give me an example of like your favorite fan mail or your favorite message or letter that you got from somebody? So I like new listeners. Like when new listeners, either they like leave a message, they say like they're new and they love it. Or if they leave like a message saying they're new or they like give like a letter. Mm -hmm. It makes you happy that like somebody found out about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. It's very cool because it's like you're like doing something and someone's actually benefiting from it. And each new person is like another accomplishment. What kind of person would you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself to be like a leader kind of personality? Well, I'm still I'm, I'm still like human. I still have a life. So I'm not like my whole life is not my hotline. But for I, sure, for sure. But I'm saying, yeah, in your life, like in school and around, like what kind of, you know how like some people are like the leader type. You seem like you, you know what you're doing and like. You probably have a lot of people that want to be your friend. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What's something that you think is important for people to keep in mind if they're the kind of person who has a strong personality and they, you know, people listen to what they say? You should be nice to everyone and don't say anything like mean about anyone else because then everyone's listening to you and the word just is going to get out. If you tell someone like this girl's dress is not pretty or something like Mm. then they would like everyone now is like not being her friend because you Mm. told her that like. Right. Like besides for the fact that that would be Lashon Hara, someone who is a leader has like an extra responsibility because people really listen to them. Right. Right. Like if someone tells you something not nice, they should never do that. But if you hear it from someone that you like think is so cool and like is like such a like, you know, leader kind of personality, then you're like, oh, if they think that, then like it must be true. You know, right. or like it's cool to think that because they think that it's very good that you're aware of that because like you hold that extra responsibility and it's good that you have that sensitivity. I think a lot of times people don't realize that it could be a challenge for people who have like those kind of personalities where they have like, you know, a lot to say and people listen to them and they have friends and whatever. And a lot of times like it's hard a little bit sometimes because people look up to you and like you're just a kid. Like you said, you're human, right? Like you're just a kid like everyone else, but like my also be very fun yeah a lot of kids are bored (laughs) i think people being bored is something that every single person could relate to right like who doesn't get bored sometimes i think that everybody could probably fall into that like mood of like whatever i don't know what to do and stuff like that so when you feel that way on a regular day what's like something that keeps you going i usually like call into my hotline and listen to my messages or um, record and update my hotline and all the options. Or I call a friend. I would just like, I usually just like find something to do or I call a different hotline. Oh, you still support other hotlines. (laughs) Or I would listen to incredible kids. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's another good option. You know, not everybody is going to make a hotline, right? That's your thing. That's your thing. That's your like hobby that you did for yourself, that you're using your talents and you're using your humor and your funny and your wit and everything in such a beautiful way to entertain other kids. What would you tell kids who are like trying to figure out what they can do in all their free time? Because we all have free time. I would like usually go to a friend or also there's like a lot of games that you can play with yourself. Like Mm. when before I had a hotline and I had nothing to do by COVID, my mother like bought a lot of games like that you could play by yourself 
just in case. What are some examples of games that you could play by yourself that you enjoyed? Um, oh, um, one's Rush Hour. Oh my gosh, I love that one. Yeah, there are games like that. You know, yeah. really, like I, I play Bananagrams by myself all the time. I could literally sit by myself and play a full game of Bananagrams. And I just say to myself, PL, PL, PL. Every time I finish the board, you find something to do when you're bored that you can do instead of saying like, um, you know, going to bother all the adults in your house. I'm so bored. I'm so bored. Are you a reader? Yeah, I love reading. Oh, that's another thing, right? I know you have this awesome hotline and I know that you have a social life and other things. What are some ideas that you have for yourself in the future? Because I feel like you probably have ideas of what you might want to do when you grow up or like even like if you have any ideas for your next hobby. Um, I want to be an actor when I grow up. I love acting in all my school plays and camp. I go to camp that makes a production. Mm-hmm. And I just love acting and I really want to become an actor. Mm, how are you going to be an actor? It's hard to well, be an actor, first, like in our in our um, from world, you know? Um, in high school, I could be like one of the main parts in the play. And then also there's like different shows, like a different like girls videos, mm-hmm. girls videos that like I could be part of. Like you could be in all the Holomoid so like productions. Yeah. I feel like someone like you though, okay, you have to start somewhere. You could like be in them, but like I feel like one day like you could like make one of those productions probably. Yeah, I want to. Just one step at a time, right? <laughs> Can you just tell me a little bit of your comedy hour? Like if I would hit the comedy button now, what's on there? Well, like every time I'm going to superstar like- mode. <laughs> Um, I make it up usually on the spot. Okay, make it up on the spot now. Mm-hmm. Pretend you're recording. D D D. Boing. Record. Press pound, then you're done. Hello, you average. <laughs> oh, you like make funny voices? Yeah, I don't know. I do like anything. So it's like I do like an interview with like a Hasidish lady and like all these like interesting weird stuff. Oh, it's so funny. Okay, I have to call back now. <laughs> so fun so you're already using like all these like talents that you have like you're acting and everything what's your question of the day now your question of the week so now it switched to pop quiz my oh, father helped quiz. me think of the name my father helped me think of the name it's okay. like it's basically a popularity quiz like basically you vote for which one's the most popular like mm. all day there's could be like hairstyles so there's a pony your hair down an updo a breed or a fishtail and then you vote and whichever one's the most popular or like this week is ice cream flavors so i did like chocolate chip mint peanut butter strawberry vanilla like different things and then whichever one's the most popular we announce it and, and then, then you like, announce it as i mean like most people thought that this was the most popular yeah do you ever do contests with prizes yeah on my contest options when i started my hotline i did like small things but now i do like pretty big things i one time i did a big like plaster painting kit for one of the girls like there was like a few things that you could like paint tons of different color paints on the side it came with also like shrinky dinks and so like how all you that? those different things you tell a story basically you make up like a story and it has to be under two minutes uh-huh and it has to be like interesting and you like i would want to listen to it and it has to like make sense and <laughs> so so that girl like one she like left Got a really, had a really good story. She won the story contest, so she got a prize. Did you send it to her in the mail? Um, yeah, they leave their address, and then I send it to them. And so you shipped it to wherever she lived? Yeah. Fancy schmancy. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot more callers, so I'm curious to know if your call volume is going to go up after this episode. If you call Rifki's hotline, leave a message and say, Rifki, I heard you had incredible kids. It was so good. And then tell me if they actually did it. <laughs> yeah, I will. Any last thoughts that you want to share with all the kids listening? 
if you want to do something and you have talents and you really want to shine in your own way and do whatever you want to do. And I never thought I would be able to do it. I, whenever I called this other hotline, I never thought I would be able to do it. I always like, just like, like thought like, whoa, this is like so cool. Like mm-hmm. how did they do this? And then like after like now I'm like looking at myself, like I did so much. Well, you told me that you also helped other people make hotlines. Yeah. Right. Like you use it as an opportunity to teach other people and share your share what you know. And like it's like yeah. a chesed now that you can offer people. And now that, you know, the whole Yisrael is kind of, you know, in this like state of saying constant to Hillem and for our brothers and sisters in our Israel, are you going to do anything on your hotline for kids? When the war in Russia and Ukraine started, I also did like a Tehillim option. And now I wow. am starting like a Tehillim sort of thing. But not like really a whole contest thing. It's just like no, just Tehillim together. So one of your options is a Tehillim option? Yeah. Wow, that's really nice. So you're already like planning this, what your response is going to be. Well, look at you. You're a real leader. That's like what a real leader does. People look up to you, so you're going ahead and you're doing what you think people need right now. Rifki, we should hear good things. It's really cool what you're doing. And um, I'll put the phone number to your hotline in the show notes so that when people, you know, click on this episode, they could call the number and try it out for themselves. Girls only, right? Thank you so, so much for joining us on Incredible Kids and keep it up because you are definitely an incredible kid, almost an incredible teenager, right? Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Bye. Bye. And now it's time for homework. Oh, come on. Not that kind. I think the only homework that I could even think of asking anybody to do is really your call. Let's challenge ourselves, each of us, to think of one thing that we can elevate in our lives. For one person, it might be having a little bit more kavana and davening. For another person, it might be seeing a paragraph to Hillam extra each day. For someone else, it might be working on not saying Lashonahara for a certain time of the day. For another person, it might be offering to help around the house. Something that normally you find to be a challenge for yourself. If you struggle with sneas, if you struggle with controlling your temper, if you struggle with accepting other people, if you struggle with saying brachos, whatever it is that you think right now feels right for you, make sure it's just an action that you won't forget to do all the time and say, I will try to do this as best as I can as a zechus for the protection of Klal Yisrael. And very soon, may Hashem bring us all Mashiach and end the pain and suffering of all of the Yedin who need our tefillos. And everybody, I will see you next time on Incredible Kids or if you join us for our nightly Zoom calls. Remember to check out IncredibleKids.org for all of the current information that you need. Bye! Are you an incredible kid? Send your story to iKidsPodcast at gmail.com Subscribe today to the Incredible Kids Podcast. Thanks for listening and remember, you are all Incredible Kids! Thank you.